0: The apostles return to their friends. They report what's happened to them. They are instructed by the highest religious authority of that day. Stop teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus. They were threatened. They were intimidated. What's the response to this threat and intimidation? Here it is. Prayer meeting. Hi friends, and welcome back to Live in the Light. Hey, we're thankful that you have taken time out of your day to be here, and maybe it's in the car or at home or in the office. Whatever the case, we're seriously glad you've joined us today. Hey, we're in the middle of a study on prayer, going verse by verse through God's word and seeing some incredible truths. The series is called House of Prayer, and today's topic takes us to a great passage of scripture Acts chapter four, Pastor Ravi. It's one of my. I I love this passage as you unpack it. Yeah, yeah. I me too. Again, just this issue, topic of prayer, so critical. We pray that you've been encouraged in prayer. And by the way, it's um, just—it's such a joy and delight to hear from you again uh, from time to time to meet some of you too on a somewhat frequent basis. I'm so thankful for that and how God is encouraging you in this ministry. Hey, don't stop letting us know, okay? Because again, we have a whole team here right now as we record this, and we just love to hear how the Lord is using His Word and by His Spirit to encourage you and to cause you to persevere again in this life so worth living for Jesus Christ. So just to say, we're praying that you be willing to reach out and let us know, and just that we can continue to persevere in prayer and with the ministry of Jesus Christ in this way here at Living the Light. But all that to say, Acts chapter four, such a blessing. God's sovereignty and the early church showing us an incredible example of of what prayer should look like, and why we pray. So we're excited. I guess let's just get into it, eh, Craig? Acts 4. Yeah, all right. Acts 4. And again, here's Pastor Robbie with today's message entitled, Answered Prayer. You may open your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. We continue our series in called House of Prayer. Acts chapter 4. We'll get there in just a moment. As you're turning to Acts chapter 4, a few years ago, my wife Jill and I, we were passing through Charlotte, North Carolina and looking for things to do while we were there. And it was highly recommended that we visit the Billy Graham Library. And we were not disappointed that we did. Uh, The Billy Graham Library is dedicated, obviously, to the life and ministry of Billy Graham and just kind of summarizing, commemorating all that God had done with this man, his family, and his ministry. And there's a thing called the journey of faith. And the journey of faith is you have, uh, you walk through um, at the Billy Graham Library, this whole kind of setup of uh, remembering and they have different kind of, um, it's like a whole kind of tour of his life. And, and they've kind of done up all these things to kind of make you feel like you're in the first kind of meeting where he was gathered in Los Angeles and whatnot and go through, the quotes everywhere. And you listen to audio and you watch different video clips. It's very, very powerful. In fact, I recommend it to any of you if you pass through there and have the time to be able to do that. Here's a picture of what the Billy Graham Library looks like actually on the screen. Um, it's a beautiful place. It's really a humble place. It's a pretty simple place, but it's so well done. I mean, just so much what you would think that people love the Lord Jesus Christ would do. A simple, humble, but powerfully and wonderfully done um, as well. And so we went through this journey of faith, and I have to be honest, it was really overwhelming to me. In fact, I just made sure that my memories were correct. I looked back at my journal this week because I knew I would have written something down about our experience there based on what I remember emotionally about it. And sure enough, as I looked at my journal, as we went through the whole time, I said I had tears just filling my eyes and kind of filling my cheeks and just felt the Holy Spirit and the presence there the entire time. Very, very inspiring for my wife and I. Like just very challenging and encouraging and convicting and just trying to understand really why that is true. I think you're just looking at the Grace of God. You're just testifying and seeing how much God has done and how many lives He has changed, and just with such an honor and such a desire to honor the Lord as well through the whole thing. It's just, just, it just, just was dripping uh, God's grace and Holy Spirit, which is just so right. So, in this journey of faith, there's all these plaques and quotes and stuff like that. And a few of them really, really got my attention. And one of them in particular got my attention. I want to read it to you. Um, it said this. A quote from Billy Graham, he says this, kind of nearing the end of the journey of faith, summarizing his ministry, he says, the secret is not me. Many people think that somehow I carry a a revival around in my suitcase, and they just announce me and something happens, but that's not true, he says. Uh, This is the work of God, and the Bible warns that God will not share his glory with another. All the publicity we receive sometimes frightens me because I feel that therein lies a great danger. He says this, if God should take his hand off me, I would have no more spiritual power. And then this, the whole secret of the success of our meetings is spiritual. It is God answering prayer. It is God's answering prayer, he says. I cannot take credit for any of it. Now, the reason that struck me so much is that grand summary of his entire ministry is really found in two words, answered prayer. I mean, that's remarkable. Of all the things we see and hear and all the stuff, according to his own testimony, to summarize his entire ministry is answered prayer. And in fact, when you start to unpack the role of prayer behind the Billy Graham meetings, crusades, events, whatever you want to call it, it's incredible to look at how much emphasis was placed on prayer behind this ministry. Every city that Billy Graham visited, did you know that there was 12 months of prayer engaged before the meeting actually happened? Hundreds of people and pastors and volunteers and just people who love the Lord were gathered simply to pray for weeks and months leading up to these events. It's no surprise then when you have an organization that's so firmly convinced of the power of prayer and they actually live it out, then you start to see God do amazing things. Love ones, it's not supposed to be a secret. Prayer works. And the reason we fail to see God doing stuff in our lives is because we don't pray. And the reason we're living lives of so little power is because we don't pray. Right now, again, let me just say this, this is what Billy Graham says, and I want to make sure you see it. I want to highlight it and we can take note of it, all right? The whole secret of the success of our meetings is spiritual, it's God answering prayer right from the mouth of the man himself. I cannot take credit for any of it. I was reading this morning in Spurgeon's letters to his students in his pastor's college. There's a whole chapter there on the preacher's prayer. It's unbelievable to me the emphasis he places upon the power of prayer for ministry. You've heard this before, and I've said it maybe even recently. When Spurgeon's preaching, he's standing in his pulpit. If he's not sensing the power of God's spirit, he stomps on the floor because on the basement, that's where the people prayed. Keep praying. That's awesome. Again, some of the most gifted, fruitful men ever, fully and absolutely convinced as to the necessity and the power and the opportunity of prayer. And it's not surprising then we see the exact same truth in God's word today. It's exactly what we see from the early church. From the first church, from this church that would be used, as the Bible says, to turn the world upside down. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31 is where we will look today. This is such a beautiful passage. This is the longest recorded prayer in the book of Acts. This is the early church believing in prayer, relying on prayer, living out prayer. Listen, listen. And leading to answered prayer. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Just before we get there, the context of Acts 3 and 4. A a lame beggar was healed at the beginning of Acts chapter 3. That is so significant because this lame beggar was lame from birth, it says in chapter 3. Right there at the beginning. And then what's significant, if you look at Acts 4, verse 22, the Bible tells us the reason this miracle was so profound is because this man was more than 40 years old. It says that right in the Word, okay? Telling us, for four decades, this man was lame. Peter and John come along. And this man's there looking for alms. He's looking for donations. And Peter, I love this so much, he looks at him, it's something you wouldn't expect him to say, and he says, look at us. And the man turns, the lame man again from birth, being lame 40 years. He looks expecting some handout. And Peter says, Silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And all God's people said, That's awesome, that's awesome, right? And he does, and can you imagine 40 years in that way, and all of a sudden the strength that fills your legs and strengthens your ankles, and you get up and you begin to walk, and you know who has done this. The man, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, and he leaps and he praises and gives glory to God. Now, when that happens, man, Jerusalem is set off in chaos in a good way, and the news is spreading like wildfire, and the chief priests and the religious authorities, they get wind of this and they're mad. Of course they're mad. They're mad because it's not about them. They're mad because they want all the attention. They're mad because they want the glory. And they're mad and they bring Peter and John in and they arrest them, put them in custody and said, you cannot speak in the name of Jesus you cannot teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John say, whether it's right to listen to God is for you to judge. But for we know this, we must speak of what we have seen and heard, bless their hearts. And then that takes us to our passage today, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Notice, and when they, the apostles, were released, released from custody from the religious leaders, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Notice this. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, let's just stop there for a second. This is so important. This is so amazing. The apostles returned to their friends. They report what's happened to them. They are instructed by the highest religious authority of that day. Stop teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus. They were threatened, they were intimidated. What's the response to this threat and intimidation? Here it is, prayer meeting. Let's call and let's start a prayer meeting. Just a little side note, which I just, I just found delectable this week. Tozer said this, okay, notice this, in light of culture, in light of all that's happening, in light of our context right here, Tozer said this, to be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men. and that's so true? The apostles, they were so right with God, man. They were hearts that were pure. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had courage for the gospel of the Lord Jesus. They were exactly in the will of God. Notice, notice, notice. They were precisely in the will of God, and yet they were in great trouble with men. Because largely, it is true that men, humankind, the world, will not understand the things of the Spirit. It is largely anti-Christ. And for us to be right with God will often mean we will be in trouble with humanity. So be it. Lord, lead us. So what they do, they start this prayer meeting. Notice the phrase in verse 24. They lifted their voices together. That is beautiful. What is this? This is prayer, but this is corporate prayer. Prayer. Notice this too, when crisis hits, their holy reflex is prayer. What's your reflex when crisis hits? What's my reflex when difficulty comes upon our lives? If you're there in church, I love that phrase, holy reflex was prayer. What's our reflex? Stress, worry, panic, anxiety. Control, manipulation, hold on tighter. But if it's a holy reflex, it should be prayer. See the word together there? This word together occurs 11 times in the New Testament. 10 of them are found in the book of Acts. Together means one mind and one passion. Um, they lifted their voices in one mind. They lifted their voices in prayer in one mind and passion. They lifted their voices with unity, understanding who they were praying to and why they were praying. Unmistakably here, loved ones, the power of uniting in prayer together, lifting voices in prayer together, such a big deal to the Lord. And by the way, I'm like, I don't like to say this, but I do like to say this if you missed the prayer meeting this week, you missed out. You missed out, man. Y'all should have come. Say, it's, it's something special when God's people, just because, because God says it is. Because God says it is when the people gather. By. We had so many people here. It was so encouraging. I just, I'm just so thankful. I do not take for granted a church filled with people who believe in prayer. It's, it's one of most beautiful things we could ever see. It's like the furnace for this whole church. I mean, you know, even being in this series right now, it just feels so safe, doesn't it? It just feels so right in terms of like, you just know you can't go wrong. Like it's so much to the heart of God. And so if we're gonna err on anything, let's err on this. And by the way, if you don't pray, nothing else is gonna happen anyways. You start to pray and all these other things start to fall into place because that's how the Lord works. You look to him, you love him, you depend on him, you cry out to him. And it's amazing then, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You miss the prayer piece, you miss the intimacy piece, you miss the communion with God piece, and you miss everything. It's wonderful to pray together. God, give us the hunger and desire to continue to do it, to keep showing up. Remember, prayer's the fire in the church, man. It will always be tempted to go out You gotta keep throwing logs and logs and logs on the fire of prayer. But watch now what the early church does here. The early church is going to see answered prayer, okay? At the end of our text today, they see the answered prayer of God. So my question is, okay, what do they know about the path of answered prayer? What do they do? What path of prayer do they travel to see prayer answered at the end? We wanna learn from this. What is, the, what is the format? What are the convictions of the early church regarding prayer? Because we want their convictions to be our convictions. And that leads us to our outline today. We say three main convictions based on this text regarding answered prayer within our lives. Notice this, conviction number one, they were praying to the sovereign one and they knew it. And therefore they had tons of faith. We are called, loved ones, to pray to the sovereign one, and when we know we're praying to the sovereign one, we will have much faith. Look at verse 24. They lifted their voices together to God and said, okay, here's their prayer, ready, here we go. What do they know that we don't? Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, By the way, loved ones, every phrase in these verses here is dripping with the sovereignty of God. Every phrase. I mean, I get so encouraged with passages like this. I pray you do too. Why? Because God is on his throne. He is in control. He is not worried. He is awesome. He is glorious. He is the king of kings. He is truly the Lord of lords. He made all of creation, verse 25, who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, Now, by the way, I just want to point this out. This doesn't really have to do with this message today, but it's right here in the Word, so it's so awesome. Notice, as the apostles pray, or the early church prays, verses come to mind, and they say here, David said, by your Holy Spirit, the early church already has a rock-solid foundation of the doctrine of the Word of God. They already know that the verses they are quoting here from the Old Testament are the authority of God, have been inspired by God, are inerrant in God, that take the whole divine revelation of God, they already know it, who David said, by the Holy Spirit. Love that, man. Take God's word seriously. They did. little tangent, but I was excited about that one, right? He says here, Why did the Gentiles, now they're quoting Psalm 2, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? Why did the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed? Notice their connection here, for truly, verse 27, for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed who gathered against them, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Watch this, verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Again, can you say sovereignty? Uh, yes, the sovereignty of God. Okay, what's the early church doing here? Every phrase is God's in control, God's in control, God's in control. Every phrase, every phrase there. Same God then, same God now. Notice this, the early church is handed a crisis and their first response is what? Is to stare in the sovereignty of God. You see that right here, loved ones? Before their petition to God is their praise of God. See that? Before they request of God, they recognize God. They see that they are praying to the sovereign God over all of creation. In verse 24, they say, sovereign God, you are sovereign over the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in it. They are praying to the master of the universe because he created everything, every creature, every plant, every planet, every person, everything God created. Who's in charge? God's in charge and they know it. Hey, is your heart beating right now? I pray that it is. I pray that it is. Did you know, dear, if your heart's beating right now, that's the Lord Jesus Christ who causes your heart to beat every single beat. Bum, 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 That's all the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ allows your heart to beat right now. Are your lungs breathing right now? I pray it is, young man. They are breathing right now. He's sure of that. That's good. He's breathing. You can take a deep breath right now. Like this, and you can breathe out. That's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, man. The Lord Jesus Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power, man. Everything is united in him. Jesus Christ allows you to exist. All the millions of cells in your body, all the strands of DNA, the complexities, the things that baffle the the human mind, all of that is kept in place by Jesus Christ, the Lord. He is sovereign over all, there is none like him. And the early church knows it. Tell me, how do your prayers change when you start this way? How does your prayer life get amped up a little bit when all of a sudden you start off with a sovereign God over the universe, not to mention over creation and not to mention the sovereign God over history. Look at verse 25 again. Through the mouth of your father David, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage, plot against the Lord and gather against the Lord and his anointed? Then we see Herod and Pontius Pilate as an example of that. See what's happening here? The early church knows God is sovereign over all of humanity and history. Can I also point that out too? Notice as they pray and led by the Spirit of God, all that's happening here. These verses are filled and saturated with Scripture. Isn't that beautiful. They are praying, and whether they mean to or not, as they pray, the Bible just flows out of them. Word and prayer, loved ones. Word and prayer. I mean, this whole text is a classic description, and Pastor Greg even said it today in his announcement, Daniel Henderson's phrase, this is scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer. Scripture is feeding their prayer. The spirit here is, again, leading their prayer, and worship is the ultimate goal of their prayer. They recognize that God is sovereign over history. In their prayer, they quote directly from Psalm 2. Now, that fascinates me, because I've always loved Psalm 2. One of the reasons I've always loved Psalm 2 is because it's the sovereignty of God on steroids. I mean, you could read it afterwards, but it talks about how the nations and kings are trying to rally and counsel against the Lord. And what, what Acts 4 doesn't give you that Psalm 2 does give you is how the Lord responds to human rulers who try to usurp his authority or take counsel against him. Here's what Psalm 2 says about humans gathering against him. He who sits in the heavens laughs. I I really like that. I do, because like you look around us and all the arrogance and all the pomp and all the boasting and all the pride and all the presumption, all these little human creatures that think they're so tough. And they say all these things that are just spitting in God's face and murdering his son. At the end of the day, God knows he's, he's sitting. He's not pacing. He's sitting and he's like, pfft. he holds them in derision. He like mocks them. He's like, really? Is that all you got? Really? I mean, Psalm 2 is pretty awesome because at the end of the day, we find out, man, our God is in control. He is sovereign over all of history. He is not worried. He is not panicking. In fact, the, these aren't my words. I almost feel like I'm like adding to the Bible here. No, no, God's laughing. He's laughing. At man's attempts. I want you to also see this in the text. What the early church understands is the trial that has come against them, specifically in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but even the persecution they're facing as well. They know, loved ones, ready? They know this has been foreseen by God. They know this has been predestined by God. They know that God is the ultimate planner over all of history. So watch, ready? Here we go, here we go. Application right now when they look at the hardship coming upon them, they know God is orchestrating all of it in his good and perfect will, even though they can't fully understand it all. And that encourages them to not give up. That encourages them that God is on his throne. That encourages them that they belong to the one who is the sovereign God over all of history and creation. See what's happening there? They are so encouraged by the fact they are praying to a God who will never be thwarted and his power oversees all. Sovereignty is special. God's sovereignty is powerful. The more we dwell on the sovereignty of God, the more the prayers from our life should be powerful alongside it. And then notice in verse 27 and 28, we're truly in this city now they're just saying just happened moments ago before them your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel they gathered against him do you know that um Herod and Pontius Pilate were enemies before Jesus but then Jesus comes along and this is just wickedness they make friends because they both wanted to kill Jesus or see him gone and so they become friends surrounding the crucifixion of Jesus so everyone's stacked against Jesus everyone But notice verse 28, this has to be underlined in your Bible, man. You gotta make sure you see this when you go there again. Like, like look at what's happening with our God. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Awesome. I love the sovereignty of God. Love, 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 love the sovereignty of God. Can you imagine thinking that god wasn't in control i mean that would be stressful so think about the early church here all the worrying panicking grieving surrounding the crucifixion that all becomes massive sources of faith and encouragement with the resurrection because at that moment they see wait 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 god was planning this all the time god's in control of all this God was the one that sent his son because he loved the world so much to die for us and raise him from the dead. God is behind this. God is in control. Our God is awesome. Again, the power of God's sovereignty over our prayer life. It fuels our faith. Our nation legalized marijuana. And you could be tempted like me sometimes looking around and saying, oh no, everything's falling apart. Oh no, no, no. The whole thing's going down. And maybe it is. But if it does, it's according to the sovereignty of God. At the end of the day, you can legalize whatever you want. Our God is still sitting on his throne. Good spot for an amen. I'm glad you responded there. It's so true. And you think about it, you're like, God, he's he's not worried about this. And there's consequences forward. But at the end of the day, it's okay. It's okay, loved ones, because our God is awesome. He is awesome and we belong to him, and we know that. So we're tempted to despair again in light of what's happened this past week. Let us remember this. Before our prayer meeting, I was talking to Pastor Craig and asking for a little pithy phrase of how to summarize where we are. And he's like, well, there's that saying that says, there's no high like the most high. <laughs> and I was like, I laughed out loud. Yes, I remember that. That's Awesome. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful phrase, just to be saying out loud right now in the midst of all that's happening and just say, you can do whatever you want, man. But at the end of the day, there's no high like the most high. There's no one more beautiful. And I'm reading um, the book of Daniel right now. It's my personal readings. And that phrase or that, yeah, that description, most high, comes up all the time. It's a perfect week to see it all the time, man. There's no high like the most high. And the most high is on high. And he's awesome, he's so good and powerful and glorious and it encourages us to continue to pray to the one who can do anything. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. We are excited to let you know that Live in the Light is now available on iTunes. Our daily broadcast can be delivered to your phone or device via podcast. Each episode is up there for you to listen to as they become available live on the air. Check out our website and subscribe to get Pastor Robbie's most recent messages. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Life.